0: Happy holidays, everyone. Regardless of what or how you celebrate, listeners, I hope that you're enjoying the season and getting the chance to recharge your batteries and to spend time with people you love. Speaking of people you love, because you know I love this community, this episode is all about you. A few weeks ago, for the fourth year in a row, I put out a call inviting any and everyone to participate in the annual SSR Listener Sode. I posed a handful of questions and asked you to submit your thoughts. And as always, you delivered. Your fellow listeners really stepped up for this very special bonus episode, and I am so grateful that they did. I will turn the show over to them in just a minute. Since this is the last episode of the podcast in 2022, I would love to encourage you to get even more involved in the SSR listener community by becoming a podcast patron. Why not kick off the new year with us? It's the perfect way to make amazing new friends, diversify your TBR, and work toward all of your reading goals. Plus, it's just a lot of fun, and it supports this independent podcast. If you like the work I do, you can get involved for as little as $1 per month. Our first selection in the SWR, that's Shit We Read, book club in 2023, is Silver Sparrow, and you can read along with us at the $5 and $10 levels. Dive into all the details and join in at www.patreon.com slash ssrpodcast or by going to www.ssrpodcast.com and clicking support at the top of the page. The Patreon community has grown and bonded a lot this year, and it means so much to me to watch it evolve. Episode 225 is brought to you by Kensington's newest title, You Can Hide, which is the second installment in Rebecca Zanetti's Laurel Snow series. It ratchets up the suspense from book one, You Can Run, with more family dysfunction, gritty underworlds, and an extremely complicated relationship between sisters. Rebecca Zanetti is an award-winning author, and You Can Run received starred reviews from Publishers Weekly and Kirkus Reviews when it hit shelves in January. So You Can Hide is poised to be another great read. If you want something totally different to transition you out of your holiday reading, Look No Further Than You Can Hide, which you can find wherever books are sold. Learn more at kensingtonbooks.com. One last little nugget of housekeeping before we jump in today. This is a friendly reminder that SSR will be on winter break next week. There won't be a new episode on January 3rd, but we will be back on January 10th to ring in another year of book talk. Now let's go to the listener-sode. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. So find your favorite reading spot and a glass of wine. We're about to revisit some literary throwbacks right here on the SSR podcast. Welcome to the 2022 Listener Soad. I am so excited to have you here for our last episode of the year. You didn't come here to listen to me talk though, so let's jump in. My friend Tracy, who I've gotten to know quite well over this past year, not only through the SSR community, but in my writing group, is going to kick us off with the first question.
1: Hey, Holly, this is Tracy, and I am providing some answers to the listener episode. So first one is, what was your favorite book as a tween or teen, and why did you love it so much? I'm going to be kind of cliche here, my favorite books from those years were the Harry Potter books. And... I know that they're problematic now for a lot of reasons and were then too, but I loved them because I was the same age as the characters when the books came out and they were the first books that I ever remember having this desire to read the instant that they came out and usually, for many years at least, they came out during Thanksgiving or around the Thanksgiving break and so I would talk my parents into taking me on Black Friday or The day before or whenever and get the book and then i would just have this uninterrupted time which was wonderful to sit and read the book and could finish them in a few days and there's just no reading like that reading and so i don't know if it's necessarily the book but that nostalgia for that specific type of reading that i loved so much
0: there's no reading like that reading that is so well said I know I speak for many of us in the SSR family and beyond when I say that, Tracy, you are not alone in your complicated feelings about Harry Potter. I'm not sure any of us will ever really know how to unpack all of it, but we can keep trying. Next, let's welcome Rachel to share her answer to that first question.
2: Hi, Allie. This is Rachel. For question number one, what is one of your favorite books as a tween or teen? I would say I was a big fan of Sarah Dessen books and a little disappointed to hear that they don't hold up so
0: great. Ugh, I know I've broken a lot of hearts over the years with those Sarah Dessen episodes. For what it's worth, there were definitely some that held up more than others. Also, I don't pretend to be the ultimate authority on how these stories age, So I am always open to hear from those of you who have had different experiences coming back to the books from your younger years. Our next Listener Soad guest is Margaret, and she is going to tell you a little bit more about herself.
3: Hi, Allie, and hi to the rest of the SSR community. My name is Margaret, and I am super excited to be participating in this year's Listener Soad. I have been listening to SSR for, gosh, like, three or four years now, but have been too nervous to participate in the Listener Sode in the past. So I'm really excited to uh, finally have worked up the nerve to participate in this. It's one of my favorite episodes of the year, but I will just dive right into the questions. Question one, what was your favorite book as a teen or tween and why did you like it so much? I am nothing if not extra, so I have a few answers to this question. Probably my top choice though was The Princess Diaries, which we have talked about on the podcast. I just fell in love with me and the whole world of the princess diaries from the age of gosh, like eight or nine when I first read the very first book. And I really felt like I grew up with Mia um, since that book series came out over the course of my time through middle school and high school. And I just love that Meg Cabot will go back and revisit that character so often. I just thought Mia was so funny and um, super relatable with her kind of awkwardness and her love of writing, which I definitely share. Uh, Another book series that I love that has not been discussed on the podcast, if I'm not mistaken, is the Pendragon series by DJ McHale. Uh, Super different than The Princess Diaries, but another big favorite of mine. It's an adventure series about this young kid who uh, basically has the ability to travel through space and time. And it's just one of the coolest and most inventive book series that I have ever read and definitely has a really compelling villain that you get to see the arc of um, the main character, Bobby, fighting this villain, St. Dane, throughout the course of this 10-book series. Uh, And again, was a book series I started reading at a pretty young age and kind of grew up with the characters. So that one was always really special to me. The last series or favorite book that I had as a teenager was the Jessica Darling series by Megan McCafferty. Again, this one has been discussed on the podcast, at least the first book. And um, I think another another character who just is a writer who is prolific in her in her writing i mean if it is just in her journal and the first time i read sloppy firsts i remember i was on a family vacation and i don't even remember what line it was now but there was a line that made me laugh out loud and just cry from laughing so hard and that memory has always stuck with me even though i don't remember the specific line from the book so those books have always really stuck with me and I think those are all series that I kind of uh, seek to emulate in in my own writing and just wanting to capture the feeling that those books gave to me. Margaret, I am so
0: glad that you decided to just go for it and submit your answers this year. I know our listeners will love hearing from you just as much as I did. It sounds like we had some overlaps with favorite books in the Princess Diaries and the Jessica Darling series, but I will have to check out the other series you mentioned. Also, you are making me want to reread Sloppy Firsts again. This next question is new for the listener showed in 2022. What is something non-bookish that makes you feel especially nostalgic about your kid or teen years? Yes, even we readers can have warm and fuzzy spots in our hearts for things other than reading, and I have found that this kind of nostalgia really unites so many of us. Margaret is
3: going to answer first. So these are going to, I would say, be just barely non-bookish. Um, obviously, there it's hard to hard for me to avoid um, just being really um, nostalgic about my literary content. So the first thing is uh, bad teen drama TV shows, which uh, in this instance were actually based on book series. Um, so shows like Gossip Girl. Vampire Diaries. Beverly Hills 90210 is one that my sister and I have a very special affinity for. Definitely gives me that um, nostalgic feeling. But those are just shows that I love to revisit and just kind of revel in how melodramatic they are. And it just kind of takes me back to those simpler days of high school and just, you know, being able to uh, revel in these made-up dramas that no actual teenager would ever get into. The other thing that definitely makes me feel super nostalgic has been discussed on the podcast before, but Gilmore Girls, as it has been well-established on the podcast, is certainly borderline bookish. Um, I think you can only just barely call it a non-bookish uh, piece of culture. But Gilmore Girls, I started watching right when it came on the air, watched it with my mom and my sister. And for all of its uh, the complicated feelings I have about it following the revival and looking at it with new eyes as an adult, it still is a show that just gives, you know, like a A warm autumnal hug, like being wrapped in a blanket or a sweater with a a whole, a warm, holding a warm beverage in between my hands and is just one of my favorite things to go back and revisit. Truly non-bookish, looking back at my high school iPod and the music that I listened to when I was young also gives me that beautiful nostalgic feeling I came across a video of Ingrid Michaelson yesterday singing The Way I Am and man if that song does not just perfectly encapsulate my indie girl inclinations musically that I have had throughout my my whole life but especially back in back in high school when I was young um that is certainly something that gives me that nice nostalgic brain scratches Just hearing the title of that song
0: gave me chills. Thanks for all of those amazing reminders. Now I will toss it to Tracy to share with us about something non-bookish that gets her nostalgia wheels turning.
1: For me, it's just having days off. Like, I know that's kind of silly, but like as a kid, you get so many holidays and you get so many weekend days. And my parents didn't fill those with activities Or feel the need to. And so it was so nice to just have uninterrupted time that I didn't have things going on. And now that uninterrupted time is so precious that it makes me feel like a little kid when I just have a day that I can go, oh, I can do whatever I want all day. I could read books or watch TV or go outside or whatever. And it makes me really, really happy.
0: Can we talk about how we totally didn't appreciate that unscheduled time when we were kids? I think about this so much around this time of year with the holidays and also in the summertime. I used to be able to create full routines around doing next to nothing. Those were truly the days. Question number three has become a staple of the listener's ode. Which book were you most excited to hear held up on the podcast? Which were you most bummed to hear did not? Tracy will share her thoughts first.
1: The ones that I was really surprised at was Hoot first because it was one I had actually never read. But I loved the conversation about that book and how kind of modern it felt and how it really did hold up to kind of the modern lens, which was really nice. Also, The Disreputable History of Frankie Landau Banks, which is one of my favorite books I read a few years ago. I also like that it's a little bit more modern classic, but it was nice to hear the conversation and that thinking about it with the critical lens held up to the kind of non-critical reading that I did of it. And then I was actually really interested in hearing about the American Girl books and um, specifically the one with Addie, and how I loved that conversation. I thought it was just so critical and so important to hear different perspectives about why it didn't hold up and what the problems are with representation and how books were being represented, and especially for kids growing up in the 90s, um, why that was so pivotal. And so I I loved that conversation. I loved both for Hoot and for the American Girl book, specifically Addie, but hearing kind of the difference there and why one held up and why one didn't, not that we compared them, but both of those conversations were two of my favorite throughout the year.
0: You just shouted out a few of my personal favorites from this year, too. I really appreciated the conversation I had with Ebony Liddell about Meet Addie. And I can't believe I had never heard about the secret history of Frankie Landau Banks until S.K. Ali suggested it to me. Listeners, if you aren't familiar with that title, I highly recommend that you pick it up. Like Tracy said, it's a modern classic and it's not to be missed. Margaret, what do you think? Everyone, buckle up for more Frankie Landau Banks fangirling.
3: So the most recent one that I was really excited to hear um, was As Good As I Remembered, was The Disreputable History of Frankie Landau Banks. That is a book, and I think E. Lockhart's work in general is kind of under-celebrated, in my opinion. I think We Were Liars really catapulted her to a different level of fame with her writing, but The Disreputable History and The Boyfriendless series were two books that I just absolutely loved as a teen and um was really happy to hear that The Disreputable History was as good as I remember it being and honestly there was a lot of things that I didn't remember about the book that I uh definitely feel the need to go back and reread it now and revisit it um because it sounds like it is just as enjoyable to revisit it as an adult, as it was to read it as a teenager. Another book that we read on the pod recently that I thought I was really happy to hear stood the test of time and was really interested to hear your opinion on. Actually, was Ready or Not by Meg Cabot, the second All American Girl book. Interestingly, I remember reading that book as a teenager and really, uh, really not liking it. I remember I just did not. I I. Didn't think it was interesting, I thought it was it felt very scandalous to me in a way that I think revisiting it with adult eyes, I think it probably was good for me to read it and kind of open my mind, but I think as a as a more like sheltered kid i it was just it was scandalous in a way that I felt uncomfortable and almost naughty uh reading it, so it was really interesting to revisit that conversation and to hear that for as not problematic necessarily but for as much as I think that book would be written differently now I think that Meg Cabot did a really great job in or it sounds like she did a really great job of portraying sex in a really positive light and um, being sex positive in a world when at the time we were not the most sex positive, and I, I think ultimately it probably was was good for me to have read that book when I did, even though at the time I was very scandalized by it. The most recent Sarah Dessen book that we read on the podcast was also one that I was glad to hear held up The Truth About Forever. I have complicated feelings about Sarah Dessen, as I think has been shared, on the podcast as well. Uh, but The Truth About Forever was uh, the first book of hers that I ever read and certainly was the best one that um, I always liked the most, even after I visited uh, some of her other works. And I was really glad to hear that it was, you know, as special and as meaningful as I remember it being. And I will say that I was briefly fascinated and obsessed with the idea of getting a job at a catering company because of that book. Never actually did it, but I really thought that working for a catering company would be super fun because of The Truth About Forever.
0: Who among us read The Truth About Forever and didn't immediately begin fantasizing about the prospect of working for a catering company? Let's hear from Rachel on this one. I have been very happy to hear that the Dear America
2: books seem like they mostly hold up. Um, I remember really loving those and loving how fancy they felt with the little ribbon bookmarks. And they're such a great way to get into historical fiction. And it's really nice to hear that for the most part, they hold up. I definitely need to revisit some of those as an adult.
0: Those ribbon bookmarks were so fancy, so chic. More Dear America is absolutely on my wish list for the future. It's time for some dissenting opinions. Every year, I invite you to tell me about moments when you have disagreed with something that's been said on the podcast. Julia will go first with her thoughts on my critical take on Anne of Green Gables, which influenced a more recent New Reads November episode about Anne of West Philly. Anne of Green Gables was the YA of the day. At a time when children were
4: suppressed, she was precocious. And though it might have seemed annoying, it was actually a revolutionary stream of consciousness situation where she was vocally externalizing her internal m- motions, kind of like a Canadian pippy uh, in an earlier time. Also at that time, and even now, there are a lot of older generations that are stern with their kids coming from a place of love because they don't want their children to get scolded or in trouble outside of the safe space that they contain. So they'd rather be harsh on them themselves than have them get punished outside of their own household by someone else. About Anne being a girl, during those times in agricultural or pastoral places, uh, children were used as labor. In fact, people would procreate simply to have free labor on their farms. And so it's not so much that they didn't like she was a girl, It's that girls were meant to behave a certain way at the time, and boy, it was okay for boys to be farm labor, but girls were not supposed to be doing that, and so it was a bit gauche to have her working. Lastly, I wanted to say that both Marilla and Anne always have given me queer vibes. Um, Marilla ends up eventually living with Rachel Lind, and spinoff show in the 90s called Road to Avonlea that Rachel Lind and Marilla were in, they totally gave off queer vibes living together. And then also in the book, Anne's obsession with Diana, I think was a little more than just
0: being desperate for a best friend. This is all really helpful context, Julia. As someone who came to Anne much later in life than most, I am well aware that my thoughts on her are quite polarizing, and this info from you will definitely inform my future engagement with the story in all of its forms. Over to you,
3: Margaret. I will say I think I disagree with some of the uh, the assessments of Anna and the French Kiss. I have read that book, gosh, probably four times. Um, It's one that I do go back to and reread Um, going back to the question about nostalgia when I just am wanting to read something cozy and comfortable. Anna and the French Kiss is one of my favorite books and I just really love going back and um, just revisiting those characters. Uh, I just find it like Hanging out with high school friends, or um, going and had you know revisiting some of my old favorite shows, it gives me that same kind of just warm and cozy feeling. And well, I can can see how annoying Anna can be in that book. I think I just over overlook some of that for the um, some of the other elements of the book that I just love so much and. I I did think it was really interesting to have the conversation around what is accepted and what is normalized in the tropes of romance and how Anna and the French Kiss um, really defies a lot of those tropes. And while I I totally respect, like when writing within the confines of the genre, to respect those tropes like no cheating and things like that, I personally find that uh, at least Anna and the French Kiss is more interesting for the breaking of those tropes.
0: If you have read Anna and the French Kiss four times, you are more than qualified to make that argument. I am all ears for any and all dissent. Listeners, if you haven't checked out episode 180 about that book, it is super interesting because my guest is a romance author herself and walks me through some of those particulars that Margaret just described. Margaret's going to help us keep things rolling with another new question for 2022. Who
3: is your all-time favorite character in Kidlet or YA? Uh, I have mentioned these characters already in some of my answers, but probably my one of my all-time favorite characters is Mia Thermopolis uh, of the Princess Diaries books. I have always just felt this. Uh, kind of kinship to Mia just with again her her kind of awkwardness feeling better at expressing herself through writing rather than through speaking or through interactions and I just always feel like coming home when I pick up a Princess Diaries book and get to hang out with her it's like I'm hanging out with my best friend when I read um, when I read a Princess Diaries book and, uh, for a brief moment in time, I did date my best friend's older brother. So, um, you know, for a minute there, I was like, Oh, he's the Michael to my Mia. Thankfully have found someone who's even more well suited to me. That is the Michael to my Mia more appropriately. Uh, and that is not my, my best friend's older brother, but that's neither, neither here nor there. And the other character that I really love is Jessica Darling, um, as I mentioned before, from the Sloppy Firsts, uh, Second Helpings, etc. of that series by uh, Megan McCafferty. Again, I think both of these characters are, are women who really um, strongly express themselves through the written word, and I think that though that is part of the reason that I feel such kinship to them and just find them to be so um, fun and funny to hang out with when I'm reading those books.
0: I related to both Mia and Jessica in similar ways, but can we rewind for one second and talk about the Michael to your Mia? Did he fix your car and write messages for you at M&M's on pizza? We're going to need to touch base about that and also the next Princess Diaries movie they're making. I asked this next question last year and thought the answers were a ton of fun so I decided to bring it back. What middle grade or YA book would you most like to see adapted or readapted
3: for film or TV? Tell us what you think, Margaret. This question is tough for me because there are so many things that I would love to see adapted, but I'm also the kind of person that gets nervous when um, some of my favorite works are adapted because I have such a strong mental picture of them. And that uh, is hard for me to let go of. Um, That being said, I love, love um, getting a good adaptation. I think to all the boys I've loved before is a perfect example of an adaptation that did such justice to the book and really gave gave the story a new life as an adaptation. Um, So in that vein, uh, you can call this the Paris by Taylor Swift effect. But Anna and the French Kiss, in my opinion, would make an absolutely amazing, amazing adaptation if taken on by the right creators. I think this was touched on a little bit in that episode, but I also think that adapting it for TV or for a movie would also give a lot of opportunity to um, make Anna a little bit more of like a a well-rounded character, add a little bit more diversity into the cast and into the story. And I obviously would love to have that actually filmed in Paris and to get those really juicy, decadent settings uh, that are described so beautifully in the book. Would love to be able to see that adapted on screen. The other book that has had many fits and starts with a potential adaptation is the Jessica Darling series, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, bringing up that series so much, but it really is one of my favorites and I think could really be um, interesting as either a uh, historical fiction piece at this point, since it is set in the early 2000s, or to update it and um, you know see how the story could evolve and change if it were about a high school student in the 2020s as opposed to the early 2000s. Um, so hopefully uh, someday that will actually be made into something. I feel like Megan posted um, on her website in the last year or two that that had been reoptioned for a movie. So we'll see if anything. Anything comes of that but uh, my kingdom to see Marcus Flutie portrayed on screen. My fingers are definitely crossed
0: that we will get both of those adaptations. I would love to see them get a kind of to all the boys I've loved before treatment. I'm always on the lookout for new things to add to the ever-growing list of titles we might cover on SSR in the future. Once again, for this year's Listener Sode, I asked for your suggestions. Tracy, why don't you tell us about your podcast wish list?
1: Honestly, just more of the modern books. Um, I love kind of the throwback books, but New Reads November is my absolute favorite part of the podcast. I loved all the books on New Read November this year. I hadn't read some of them, like Kings of Be More, and so that one's on my Christmas list. I really hope I find it under the tree. So that I can read it. But I loved Last Night at the Telegraph Club, and I just really want to see more of that. One of the books that I would recommend that I I wanted to see on New Reads November, but I don't think it was picked, um, was All My Rage, which is one of my favorite books of the year. So I highly recommend that for the, the community. And just, I can't wait to hear the new books that are coming out next year on the podcast and the guests. Um, they have been amazing this year. And I just, I love every week hearing the critical lens on children's literature and throwback books. And it makes me think about them in a different way because for the most part, when I've read them, I, I haven't been reading them through that lens. And so it's just so valuable. I love all the things that you do, Allie. So keep it up and keep bringing great listens to us next year.
0: I really appreciate that feedback. I am always working to strike that balance between contemporary reads and the throwbacks that inspired me to start the show in the first place. As we continue on with the podcast, I think I'm definitely going to need to rethink my definition of a throwback, so be on the lookout for Fresher YA in 2023 and beyond. Over to you, Margaret.
3: This was the hardest one for me to answer, and the one I was most excited to answer What books do you hope SSR covers in the future? And Allie, I know you only asked for one, but I can't just give you one. There are so many books I would love, love, love to hear your opinion on. The first one is one that I I read as a middle schooler, and I honestly don't remember that much about the plot, and I don't know if it was good, but it was it made such a mark on me. So that book is The Earth, My Butt, and Other Big Round Things by Carolyn Mackler. My question is, is this book as traumatizing as I remember it being? The main character is in a larger body and a lot of the book is about her struggle with her weight. And uh, the 1st t- it was the first time I read a book with a main character whose body type reflected mine um, reflected mine at the time. Uh, And I was, you know, in some moments felt very seen by it, but also I recall the book having a lot of uh, negative self-talk for that main character. and, And I just remember it really reinforcing a lot of the negative feelings I had about, my appearance and about uh, my body image. And it was just like, it just made such an impression on me. I remember it. It was like really deeply upsetting to me, honestly. But I think it would be really interesting to revisit that on the podcast and see if I'm remembering it correctly, or if the book actually handled those topics with more nuance then I remember it being handled um, in that book. And obviously, you know, being being like 12 years old when I read it, um, I think nuance was not necessarily in my vocabulary at the time, but would absolutely love to hear your thoughts, hear guest thoughts on, you know, on that book and and if it was as impactful for whatever quality you want to give to that word as I remember it being. A couple other books I would love to hear you talk about on the podcast. I don't think that any Rainbow Rowell books have been covered yet, but uh, one I I know for sure hasn't been is Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. That was another book that um, I came came out a little bit later in my YA reading journey. I think I was in college when that book came out, and it is a book about college-aged students. So. Um, I think definitely was kind of appropriate to read when I was around the same age as the characters but again I think Rainbow Rowell was um had a a moment where she was you know kind of that large figurehead in the contemporary YA space and I would love to hear your thoughts on on that I also know uh, Eleanor and Park is a somewhat controversial um controversial pick so if that hasn't been covered on the podcast and I've listened to most episodes in the archives but I might have missed that one if it was covered. Another book that I think flew kind of under the radar uh, that that I loved as a teenager was this book called Vampire High, and it was just like such a unique and interesting take on a vampire story where, you know, this normal human kid ends up going to this high school that was full of vampires, and I read this book multiple times and I always was dying for there to be a sequel and I don't think there ever was one but was such a fun book and I would really again love to hear if it holds up to to my memory uh, because I don't think I think my parents got rid of my copy of it um, a while ago Uh, and then the last one I think is an is a newer pick so it might not might kind of fall outside the confines of what you cover on the podcast, that I think any of the Grishaverse books by Lee Bardugo would be really interesting to talk about and have a guest um, discuss uh, just to to kind of see, again, like with the cultural impact that Lee Bardugo's work has made and that the Grishaverse has made, especially with the Netflix show. Just would love to to hear a discussion about that on the podcast. Those are all
0: really solid suggestions. So thank you. For what it's worth, we are definitely on the same page about them. A quick side note for the listeners, if you want to have more opportunities to share your own book requests with me, you should definitely consider joining SSR's Patreon. At the $1 per month tier, you get looped into a monthly email that prompts you to send in any and all suggestions. While I can't guarantee that they'll be chosen, I can tell you that those ideas are fast-tracked for guest consideration. Learn more at www.patreon.com slash ssrpodcast. One of the most fun things about being part of the SSR community is the opportunity it offers to discover new books. I love learning about books from all of you, and it always makes me happy to hear that my guests, or I, have been able to return the favor. I asked listeners Showed participants to share about the titles they've learned about from the show. Rachel's going to fill us in. Which books have I discovered through the
2: podcast that I didn't read as a kid This year, I read The Mixed-Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler, and that was a book that I definitely did not read when I was younger, and I wish that I did because it was so fun. Uh, What kid doesn't want to have an adventure inside a museum after hours? So that was a really cool one to read as an adult, and I, I do really wish that I read it when I was younger.
0: From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler is such a special read, and I am so thrilled that you enjoyed coming to it now. That's one that I might like to revisit again down the road.
3: What books have you discovered through SSR that you didn't read while you were younger? Uh, this feels like kind of cheating with this answer, but a lot of the new things I've been um, I've been exposed to through the podcast have come through New Reads November, and the One I have to really thank the podcast for introducing me to is Emma Lord. I was really intrigued by the episode about You Have a Match in the 2021 New Reads November series, and so I picked that book up. I actually think I picked up Tweet Cute, which was Emma Lord's first book, first, and then read You Have a Match after that, Um, and so I ended up reading all of Emma Lord's available books in 2022 and I am so so excited for her next book that is coming out I think early next year and I just have the I have SSR in the community to thank for introducing me to Emma Lord both her absolutely delightful writing and her absolutely delightful social media presence she is uh, one of my favorite followers on Instagram super fun and I Highly recommend her books if anyone else in the community has not picked those up yet. And of course, would it even be an episode of
0: SSR if I didn't ask for recommendations from my guests? Of course it wouldn't be. Rachel, tell us what you think our audience should add to their TBR. This year, I
2: read the third um, book in the Beartown series by Frederick Bachman called The Winners. And I really loved it and loved the whole series. So I recommend all three of those books, Beartown, Us Against You, and The Winners.
0: Margaret, what have you been
3: loving lately? This is another really tough one because I live for book recommendations. I absolutely love talking about books and recommending books to people. Part of the reason I absolutely love the SSR podcast in this community, because just giving and getting good book recommendations is one of my favorite, favorite things in life. But I will keep this to two, uh, two of the best books I've read in the last couple of years that I think would um, really jive with the rest of the community. So the first one is Hamnet. By Maggie O'Farrell. Yes, you heard that correctly. Hamnet, not Hamlet. But the correlation with Shakespeare is not unfounded. This book is about Shakespeare's son, who was named Hamnet, um, who died of the plague. So this book is a really beautiful, fascinating story, mostly about Shakespeare's wife and uh, this family as they deal with the death of one of their children. Um, so very definitely trigger warnings in terms of some of the some of the content there, but uh, it is absolutely beautiful and just one of the one of the most stunning books I've read in recent memory. I absolutely love it. The other book that I think really will fall in line with the interests of a lot of the, the the listeners of the podcast is We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry. This book is about a High school girls field hockey team in the late 80s and uh, is set in salem massachusetts and these uh this girls field hockey team is doing poorly and they decide to take up witchcraft to make them better at field hockey and it is just so inventive and funny and unique it's definitely, I think, a, a polarizing book. You're going to love it or hate it, uh, but I absolutely loved it, and I think a lot of the other listeners and readers in the SSR community will love it as well. And I'm so glad that I did this this year. Super excited to be a part of the SSR community and to see what the, what the podcast has in store for all of us next year. Uh, thanks so much, Allie, and thanks, everyone, in the SSR community. I think that
0: is the perfect note to end on. Thanks to Tracy, Rachel, Margaret, and Julia for participating in this year's listener-sode. I loved hearing from each and every one of you. Okay, listeners, this is me signing off for 2022. SSR will be taking a little holiday break until January 10th, when I will be back with an episode about E.B. White's The Trumpet of the Swan. In the meantime, I hope you'll catch up on any of the old episodes you've missed. You can also find me sharing lots of fun content on Instagram at SSR Pod. It has been such a treat to spend another amazing year with all of you. Thank you for all of your love and support. I will see you in 2023, and I'm wishing you a happy and healthy one. SSR is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to the SSR Podcast